Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to Double Exposure and their game design convention Metatopia at Metatopia Online 2020. These panels have also been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and moderators at this event. Now, let's get to it. Episode 282. Canada is not a northern suburb of the U.S. Presented by Jason Pitt, Senfung Lim, Nicole Winchester, and Christoph Sapinski. Hello, everyone. So, this is uh, Canada is not a suburb of the U.S. A panel where four Canadians or people living in the country currently known as Canada will apologetically rant and talk about elements of our national and cultural identities and how they inform game design, how business concerns how business will affect us as Canadians and answer your questions. So if you have any questions, feel free to post them in the stream chat and our lovely moderator, Avanel, will uh, pass them along to us. So to get started, why don't we introduce ourselves? Uh, my name is Jason Pitt. He, him, I am a Acadian game designer born in Victoria, uh, raised in Ottawa and currently technically living in Quebec with uh, from Acadian means I'm from an ethnically French background, but I'm an Anglophone. We'll talk about why this matters later. All right, next. Uh, to my right, uh, Sen. Oh, hi, I'm Sen Fong Lim. I'm a Chinese Canadian game designer living in London, Ontario, Canada, which is actually further south than some places in the United States. And uh, yeah, so my identity as a Chinese Canadian doesn't form a game design, and we'll talk about that soon, I guess. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Nicole. Hi there, I'm Nicole. Uh, just a little note, all of your uh, video is currently um, a little circle for me. So if I can't see you or I'm looking at things weird, that's a why. Um, but I can hear everybody fine. So perfect. Um, I'm Nicole Winchester. I am a game designer living in the city known as Toronto. Um, that is uh, on unceded territory in Ontario, which is also on unceded territory, I believe or um, a territory that is under a uh, treaty that was uh, not honored uh, is probably the more um, accurate um, description of what it is. Uh, and yeah, I was born in East York, Ontario. I was raised in Peterborough, Ontario, which is probably one of the uh, whitest places in all of Canada. And uh, yeah, um, that all informs my design. I, have, um, I am of Finnish Canadian descent, uh, particularly Ingrian descent. And that's me. Excellent. So, Christoph. Good morning. Uh, my name is Christoph Sapinski. I'm a game designer out of British Columbia. I made a little game called Free Spacer. And I am in Vancouver. Where else would I be? Uh, I grew up in the interior which is a term we use for north of here, uh, in a place called Sycamoose. Yes. And uh, I am also on ceded territory, but most of BC is, as there's like 104% land claims on the province or something. Anyways, so there you go. And uh, I'm very excited and very tired at uh, 6 in the morning. So let's talk about this stuff. Yes, All thank right. you for getting up so early. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Uh, so, uh, in order to move forward, let's give a quick 101 on what are the parts of Canada in terms of geographic and cultural regions that we need to talk about. Uh, so, going from east to west, because that's how we always do this, um, 
uh, we'll start with Newfoundland and Labrador. You have to include the Labrador part, or they'll be angry at you. Um, now, Free Newfoundland. Uh, Free Newfoundland. Now, uh, Newfoundland right. was a um, portion of... Uh, it was an independent nation until about, what, 1944? 1949, uh, it, I believe. Yeah. Right yeah, I didn't then. know if it was during or after World War II. It's, it's in around there anyway. Um, yeah, uh, and it got brought into Confederation at that point um, because of effectively economic crises and there was insufficient... Um, it, effectively, people were starving and they needed to come into Confederation. That's where the Labrador part got added on to Newfoundland and Quebec's still angry about it. Um, uh, big thing there is... Ottawa, the headquarters and capital, screwed over the cod fisheries by really mismanaging it, which meant that pretty much the giant economic heart of the province went up in smoke and it possibly drowned. Confederation um, didn't work out so well for them. So it's economically fraught, and it's in a rough place, and it's got a very distinct, unique culture because it's, well, it's known as the Rock. It's this island just off the <clears> coast <throat> that isn't that depends on fairies. Uh, All the the lobster. Exactly. They 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 talk funny there too. They have yeah a, yeah yeah. We have to mock accent. accents. Yeah. Oh, um, in their own. Yeah, they have a very but you know that's just a culture. Yeah. Yeah yeah. They're half an hour off. So whenever you listen to Canadian radio, it's like uh, ten uh, ten a.m. ten thirty Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. 10, 10 o'clock on the mainland, 10.30 yeah. on New, in Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much their culture, right? right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, around. totally. Yeah. Um, so, uh, There's next a whole musical in, about it. Uh, next oh, yeah. in line, uh, I am legally obliged to say this in French, um, <laughs> is Quebec. Um, Quebec. Pig. <laughs> way. Wait. What? Wait. Uh, don't come here. Un Québécois fier. Je dois parler en français tout le temps. But since most of you are Anglophones, I'm not going to do that. Um, Quebec. I is... understood that. Yes. Quebec <laughs> is a nation of its own with a long history. Um, long story short, it was the French colony um, that wound up losing in. Uh, the uh, war, the French and English um, war um, back in 1790 or so. Uh, and they're still mad about that too. Um, they're still mad yeah. about that too. And um, as part of effectively the terms, some things got hard-coded in. Specifically, um, the Quebec maintained the ability to uh, speak in French uh, and to maintain the Catholic Church. Uh, there was actually effectively a devil's bargain going on there uh, with the church and the English state, which said, look, you let us stay Catholic and stay French, and we won't have a problem. Otherwise, we're going to get Reformation on your ass. So, yeah. uh, so it meant that you wound up having a um a very unique separate society because um the the language barrier was a very real thing um now of course english canada was historically rather abusive towards french canadians on a whole and quebecers in specific uh and the church had an outsized influence in quebec for until about the 60s they, they were called Lower Canada. Like, yeah. I mean, like, it's true. Um, it's down the river. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, but like. <laughs> so you had to, it effectively, uh, there was a lot of English businesses um, in Montreal and the whatnot. And they were, there was a long history of saying, uh, so you are, um, you, you need to uh, speak English. Uh, to work here, because we're the English bosses. Uh, and when you got the, we're overthrowing the church, and 
uh, were uh, expressing her national identity in the 60s uh, in the Quiet Revolution. Um, there was a lot of backlash, and effectively, it's a, it's a, oh, okay, so we kicked out the church. Okay, what can we do next? And uh, that triggered all the independence, separatism movement, which led to two uh, referendums, one of which was in the 90s, um, which very was very close and uh, led to Canada still, uh, led to Quebec still being in Canada. Uh, that was scary truth. stuff. Let me so tell you. So you can have a referendum or election or whatever that's really, really close, and then it kind of works out. It's good. There know. were actually two referendums about separation. Yep. They mm-hmm. they were the second one was not as scary as the first, but the first like li- the people we were legit worried that that Quebec might leave the country. How that might yeah, logistically yeah. work with it right in the middle of the country, we weren't sure, but. There was, there was uh, some concern. Yeah, because literally Quebec uh, divides the country. So all of the Atlantic and Newfoundland is on one side, and Ontario and everything west is on the other. So... There's Quebec in the middle. Yep. <laughs> um, like, it oh. was uh, stressful. It's like a um, donut. And there were a whole bunch of other cultural things that we'll talk about later. Uh, so next up is Toronto. Um, there's no Ontario. There's just Toronto. That's right. You got to pronounce it correctly. Toronto. 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 Or T-O. T-O. for short. <laughs> um, the six. That's kind of uh, out of yeah. fashion now, but you know. So uh, I'll pass this on to uh, one of you fine folks. Uh, I live here, so. Um, Toronto yeah. is the center of the universe. Um, nothing exists in Canada except for Toronto. Uh, we are the greatest city in the world. Um, we are also... <laughs> basically, Toronto thinks it's awesome. And uh, Toronto is the city with the uh, the belief in itself, uh, greatest belief in itself in one hand, and the greatest inferiority complex in the world in the other hand. Um Toronto uh, was pretty much the most boring city in the world until the 1970s. That's the narrative anyway. But if you look into the history of Toronto uh, in the 1800s, uh, Toronto was was fascinating. There were uh, houses of prostitution and uh, circus riots and and, uh, all sorts of things happening all the time. It was it was pretty apparently the island was a hotbed of gambling and like uh, smuggling. Uh, we have an island just uh, off of uh, the the in the lake, and uh, there's a ferry that goes to it, and it's like just a nice place to hang out now. But apparently, like all kinds of like shady stuff was happening out there in the 1800s, and I can't find hardly anything about it except a few mentions. And it's probably because in the 70s and 80s, Toronto was cleaned up, and there was like a specific Toronto the Good campaign. Um, Toronto is supposed to be like a nice place where like bad things don't happen. Um, but though we have a lot less of the things that happen in any big city, we still have all those things. So a lot of the things that you hear about people saying, oh, there's no racism in Canada, there's no this, there's no that. Uh, we have uh, police shootings in Toronto, we have police killings, uh, we have all of the issues of urbanism. Uh, we have a declining transport system. Uh, all of those problems. Uh, it's just because, which I'll probably go into later, because it's Canadian and because we have this concept of Canada being this liberal utopia. Everyone's like, oh, Toronto's so great. And Toronto is great in a lot of ways. You feel a lot safer than a lot of places in the world, but I feel equally safe in other countries. Like Hong Kong and Toronto, to me, are very similar places in some ways um and it's not just because of like the chinese kind of uh, community there there's a lot of similarities in terms of the uh, cultural makeup uh parts of abu dhabi reminded me of toronto um so we have a very culturally diverse city um people are um tend to like hang out together a lot but um, the cultures are also very separated. So people kind of hang out in their, in their own spaces and own neighborhoods and own communities too. 
And then Except there's the rest the of Ontario, win. I guess, right? The rest of Ontario. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the rest. It's pretty much divided into sort of three areas, I guess. Things that are south of Toronto, things that are the north, which is like most everything else, that big chunk of Ontario. That's where I'm from uh, originally. And then I moved to the southern little peninsula that ends up jutting down into Michigan. And then there's where Jason is around, which is the Ottawa Valley and all that kind of stuff up there. So the rest of uh, Ontario, Ontario is huge. Um, I don't know if it's the biggest province, but it's pretty darn big. And it has the biggest population. Now, most of that population is centered around Toronto, obviously, and then all along the border. But that, that's normal for Canada in general. Our population is literally kind of just riding that line of what is America and what is Canada? Well, it's where the border is, wherever the population of Canada is, is probably where the border is. Um, the rest of Ontario, um, if we, we get into the whole French-English thing, I think um, is mostly on the uh, Anglophone side of things, but there are definitely pockets of French speakers and French language issues across Ontario. Um, in terms of multicultural multiculturalism, uh, I think you know obviously, as Nicole is saying, that um, while the urban centers, just like many other cities and many other countries, the urban centers tend to be very liberal, uh, very multicultural. As you get further and further away from those um, into the desolation of the north, <laughs> like where I'm from. Uh, it's less and less like that, and you could be literally the only person of color out of like a population of you know ten, twenty thousand people, and you're like the only one, and it's 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 kind of strange. Um, the other thing to note, uh, and this is across Canada, is that our indigenous population uh, tends to not all of them, but tends to live on reserves, and reserves are a part of our lives um, in in Canada. Um, if you I'll interact with people from other cultures. Um, yes, so, that's the thing, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, there are a lot of um, a lot of issues as of late, and all, all the way through our history, of course, that dealt with residential schooling and with um, land claims, as we've talked a little bit about. Um, but they 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 come they seem to come to a head in Canada much more than they do in America. Um, probably because of the whole idea that Nicole brought up that we actually have a treaty that colonists are not honoring, and that's what we have several of, treaties. Oh yeah, yeah, many I mean, treaties, like, yeah, like a pile. If you, if you want to talk we, about treaties, like we can go through the list, but we're not going to because it would take forever. Um, but yeah, currently right now, Canada is in a state of, I would say, uh, reconciliation. At, Tempting, and I wouldn't even say that. I said we're just like we're just dealing with this the fallout from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that ended a couple yeah. years ago, and it's taken like two or three years to not even start anything. But that's also very Canadian. Yeah, we're go. we're suing we're suing kids. We're suing First Nation kids for wanting clean water. Um, well, yeah, uh, well, we're ignoring uh, court orders. Yes. Can't forget that. Uh, yes. And for the water thing, yes, yeah, so there's 61 reserves that don't have clean drinking water. Some of them are literally their water is radioactive. So you can't even yeah. boil it. It's just if this touches your skin, you may die. One, yeah, one is a, within. Whole... I was going to say one is within like 20 minutes drive of Toronto. Yeah, they're they're not far from urban centers. That's the thing. It's it's. It's environmental racism, uh, if you really want to get down to it. So, which we can, if you'd like to. <laughs> yeah, totally. The whole Patrice totally. thing, right? That's happening out in the East Coast right now. Oh, lobster. Let's yeah. move on to Manitoba. <laughs> what's happening Manitoba. in Manitoba? Sorry, what's Manitoba? I, I... <laughs> it's, it's is Manitoba big, part of the big, West? It's a big square. Is it part of the West? Resource Saskatchewan. Winnipeg is in there. Sweet. Someone in the chat asked about Thunder Bay, and I'm not sure if they were trolling or not. Oh, Thunder Bay. Oh, Thunder Bay. There's actually there's actually a podcast about Thunder Bay. If you are serious, there's a podcast about Thunder Bay done by Canada Land. 
um, that, yeah, that, that I haven't listened to. Day. I have. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't listened to yeah. it, but apparently it's great. It's uh, by it's hosted by Ryan McMahon, who's an indigenous Canadian. I mean, a Canadian comedian. He is a Canadian too. Uh, he may not consider himself Canadian. A lot of indigenous people don't, um, because uh, Canadian is sort of like a term that's put on them. They're rather like they're not necessarily Canadians. They're they're citizens of their own nations first, and and we just decided they're Canadians. So. They don't always consider themselves that. I don't know where Ryan stands, um, but he's Anishinaabe, and uh, he—I uh, think he's around for where I'm from, actually. Um, and he uh, hosted this podcast on Thunder Bay about kind of uh, crime in Thunder Bay, I believe. Son, yeah, it's it's it? a lot so. about it's a lot about the uh, criminality that goes around in T Bay that has to deal with. Um, politics and race so it's it's a pretty dark 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 it's very dark it's a very dark story could you um, not sorry but it, have to the cat. cat but if you're interested another in, cat. in relations in thunder bay which are so thunder bay if you don't know where thunder bay is thunder bay is like probably the biggest population center in the in the north of ontario uh, I'm from Sault Ste. Marie, which is probably like the third biggest, and then there's Sudbury. Um, and so, but the funny thing is, like, it's all like four to eight hours apart from each other. So when I grew up, um, to get to Thunder Bay is a hell of a trip. It's like eight hours driving along the coast of the north coast of Lake Superior, where you're almost falling into the water. Uh, so it's not easy to get to. It's far. I, I worked there for many summers. Um, and it is a hotbed of racial politics uh, because of the numbers um, and the population density that's there. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, so it's also a huge hockey place, but they don't have their own hockey team, which right. is irony that is very Canadian. Well, what happened to the Lightning? It's travel. Did they did they move did they move their the OHL team? Um, I actually don't know. I haven't. I haven't kept up with the OHL. I meant NHL, but okay. Oh, and NHL. Yes, hockey, <laughs> hockey, Thunder Bay NHL or national time. Yeah. So Thunder Bay will probably never get an NHL team because of where it's located, and that's just uh, the logic of it. There's no way for people to get to it other than plane. You, you, you yeah, just... like people people from Toronto fly to Thunder Bay. But people don't drive. It's like an over twenty hour drive, basically. Yeah, it's it's like sixteen hours if you go straight. So let's tackle the prairies in the west. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. We spend so much time on Ontario because obviously, right? Well, you of know. course. Yeah. Well, we're used to it. Uh. So. Uh. uh Sen or Nicole, do you want to take over for the prairies and and Alberta, and then we'll th throw uh, all I, of I, BC at uh, poor Christoph. I think Christoph should take uh, Alberta as well. Okay, that's fair. Okay, well that's yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alberta. Because they're totally the same thing, right? Right. Right. That's exactly. Me, I, I'm going to uh, be right back. I'm just going to stop my cat from eating something. Okay, that she the, uh, the prairies are, <laughs> are very flat. The end. Oh, you're not eating it? Oh, okay. The Canadian Shield. Never mind. Yeah, the, the prairies are uh, definitely flat. They are um, where uh, kind of our center of agriculture is for the most part um, in terms of grains, but there's a lot of agriculture all over Canada. You just don't think of it as that because you think of Oh, the breadbasket of Canada in Manitoba and like Manitoba and Saskatchewan, uh, but there's more than that. Uh, what else is there about the about the prairies? Uh, Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg is Manitoba. where isn't Winnipeg where um, Winnipeg is where our uh, uh, Museum of Human Rights is um, that had there's recently. Sorry? There's several cool things about Winnipeg, like yeah, one, yeah. the Red River Colony, and two, that's where all the data of Canada is stored. 
It's also so, where the Human Rights Museum is that recently had human rights complaints against it for sexual harassment <laughs> and racism. Yeah, well, that'll have irony. Uh, yeah. And then Regina is actually like the, the seat of our national police force. The Mounties, the RCMP. Uh, and that has a very storied and colored history. Emphasis on color. Uh, <laughs> they are... They are at at the same time as being this proud, weirdly Canadian iconic thing. They are also a source of great embarrassment, I think, uh, being a person of color <laughs> and you know uh, working on reserves. There, it's our, the RCMP is They're, this weird thing that you're all of, you're simultaneously proud of and also super embarrassed about. I mean, maybe that's just being they're, Canadian. They're the Mounties, basically. Like if you've seen the Mounties, if you've seen Do So, like Paul Gross, etc in the hat and the red jacket and like you see the mounted ride they're those guys um so like they're the iconic vision of canada at the same time they are the people who um uh probably perpetrate the most violence against indigenous people in canada well they're kind of founded for that and to keep the country yes. under yeah. control mm -hmm. whatever that, that may mean <laughs> that, that's that's basically their their purpose is is to to keep the keep the keep the indigenous people in line and keep the country under control um especially out west actually um as the country expanded uh i i mean winnipeg is apparently a really great place to live um they never really got over losing their nhl team another point to sort of having and they got it you know, back they, they got were it back. so sad about it they got it back and we just lost. Oh, lots of sad reacts for the the loss of the Jets, and then happy reacts when they came back. Uh, um, yeah, so uh, let's continue since we're on. we're over time. We're chewing through time. Yeah, the history lesson. That's what happens when you have a giant country to live in. Christoph, go ahead, tell us about Alberta and BC. Well, Alberta and BC are. Uh, a mirror of each other in the same way that Quebec and Ontario is, but completely different. Um, Alberta's probably one of the most conservative parts of the country, and BC is the most liberal part of the country. We literally don't have a conservative party, so they stuck them in the liberals. And we have what uh, Americans would call a socialist government right now. And... Uh, Alberta always tries to hit way above its weight. It's quite small, not as small as any of the uh, any of the, the plains, but any of the provinces in the plains, but pretty small, like four million people. And uh, BC's larger and entirely centered around a place called Vancouver, where I happen to be, uh, where most of the population lives, and is actually where all of the most uh, social liberal, liberal and green types are, is down here in Vancouver and on our island. We have an island people love to bring up. I think it's close to the size of, it's like half the size of Newfoundland or something. I looked it up at one time. It's actually a lot bigger than most people think it is, but it is quite large and physically just protects the inlet where Vancouver is from everything weather-wise, but we just stuck the capital on there, too, and it's even more liberal than we are, so. That's a vote Sorry about that. It's pretty much Seattle meets Oregon, but north of that, and a little, well, more Canadian, so. <laughs> and I guess uh, uh, multicultural to the next level. Yeah, Alberta economy is focused around oil, obviously. And yes. then BC economy and, and weed now. BC economy is focused on well shipping and lumber. And weed. And and weed as well. And, weed. and all your houses are not brick. Yeah, so we don't have any we I, we have this one or two brick like one brick kind of little neighborhood and then another little brick area near that neighborhood and then there's a brick church. But that's about it. That's about it. Uh and everything uh in Alberta and BC effectively got built in the 1900s uh, uh, in like at, after 1900. 
Oh yeah, we don't pretty have much. Anything. Like there's a little bit of Victoria that's a little bit older, but everything is uh, 120 years old max. Oh, and just to just to explain everybody, oh, the reason our our prophets put their capital on an island is the island sticks down into the United States, and we wanted to ensure that the uh, 49th parallel was maintained. So we, we after a place burned down in outside of Vancouver called uh, uh, New Westminster, which is just a little neighborhood now. Uh, they moved the entire capital to a desolate island of trees and rocks and, well, hippies now. And uh, they thought that was a good idea. It cost us millions of dollars to fly politicians back and forth, but it's on an island and it keeps our 49th parallel intact. So there you go. Uh, and then quickly, the north is the north. Uh, three territories, the Yukon uh, Northwest Territories, which got bisected uh, and turned into um, Nunavut, which is the, I believe, the single largest land claim possibly in the world. Yeah. Um, which is an, uh, effectively a self-governing uh, Inuit nation um, that has quasi-provincial status. Yeah, uh, they, they, they have, have their representatives. own form of... Uh, Provincial government's quite a little bit different than everyone else, too. Uh, so let's just quickly talk about the things we've intentionally ignored. <laughs> uh, Prince Edward Island, my family's from there. Uh, Nova Scotia, uh, the one of the oldest parts of the c country, includes Halifax. Uh, New Brunswick, Halifax, Halifax. Te uh, technically, yeah. it it's the only bilingual province in Canada. Uh, and that's because of the Acadians. Um, Quebec who, who is not are originally who are originally French. from the they're originally from Louisiana, correct? Uh, no, um, it, it got swapped over. Uh, oh, okay. The, Ac the Acadians came from Europe uh, fourteen generations back or so. Um, then uh, during the uh, Seven Years' War. Uh, a oh, particular uh, individual, uh, General Amherst, decided to uh, find all of the non-combatant French folks uh, and effectively deport them. Uh, so uh, roughly uh, a third of them got shipped back to France. Maybe a third of those people actually survived. Uh, roughly a third of them got bumped down the coast until they hit Louisiana, uh, where the Acadian, Cadian, Cajun, 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 Cajuns uh, arose from. Um, and then the remainders hid in the woods, ran off to Quebec, etc. And that's where the existing Acadian population comes from. Those survivors who hid out from ethnic cleansing! Um, fun times. Um, this is how much you can talk about the history of a country founded by the Hudson Bay Company. Yep. <laughs> uh, and we, yeah, so, yeah, we were, yeah, exactly. We have over. a lot of uh, ethnic yeah. cleansing in in our background for a liberal yeah. utopia. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's now that we've done that, uh, let's uh, talk a bit about the cultural factors. Uh, and then we'll spend like five minutes on uh, the business side of things. Uh, but it's a lot of culture. Uh, so, Nicole, <sighs> do you have any first thoughts? Um, I will try not Nicole, to get ranty. Hmm? I, I will try not to get ranty about this. Um, but uh, I was thinking a lot when I saw emotional support Canadian trending. Um this week around the election. Yeah. Already shaking your head, right? Um I responded so, to it because that was funny, but yeah. <laughs> um it is funny, but I was sort of like immediately like, oh God, here here we go again with this. Um and um I find it really interesting because I thought it really neatly encapsulated in some ways kind of the relationship between the US and Canada. Um 
because yeah, this idea of emotional support Canadians really feeds into the myth uh, that the U.S. has of um, Canada as this liberal utopia to the north where everything's awesome and, you know, people are treated equally and we're nice people that are going to help you out. Um, and Canadians can be nice people that are going to help you out. Um, it's entirely something that we do sometimes. But... Um, and it's very easy, I think, as Canadians to want to feed into that because we like to see ourselves that way. That's why Canadians often get like upset when you're like, there's racism and how dare you call me racist. And, but um, this is the way Americans, I think, see us um, as the emotional support Canadian, the fuzzy, you know, teddy bear, the fat friend in the chick flick. Um, you know, always there to be supportive and there to be, you know, your safety school and there to be, you know, escape to if things get bad enough in your own country, not cool Fake enough. Girlfriends oh. in high school. <laughs> yep. You know, not cool enough or hot enough to be a threat or, you know, um, really to be cooler than you, but like always there and uh, never going to turn your back on you um, enough like the you that they know you know all the same references and know all the same people um, but you know and and Canadians get to see themselves likewise as like nice people who help people out and are polite and the main point is better than the US and better than the US is um I'm not going to say it's not always a low bar right now. It's a low bar. Um, but it's not like that's, that's where we stop. Like we're like, okay, we're better than the U S great done. And, and Harmful I love what this causes. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what this country could be, but I don't, I hate what this country thinks it is. Um, in this country, you know, I go around the world to different places and people talk to me and they're like, Canada is such a great place. And then I'm like, yeah, but these are some problems with Canada. And they have no idea. They have no idea that that reserves have no clean drinking water. They have no idea that they're police shootings. They have no idea how we treat people. Padfoot, I swear to God, I'm going to kill you. I'm sorry, my cat. Um, <laughs> I, uh, they have no idea about these things and you tell them. And they're like, I had no idea Canada was like this. I'm really glad you told me. This is kind of an awkward conversation, but still. And so um, it's just that when we feed into these things by being like, oh, we're really emotional support Canadian. Like, we're like this. We're polite. We're only these things. It, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the U.S. because it, it allows us to feel morally superior and them to be like, oh, Canada is so much better than us and, and doesn't erases all of our problems and our differences, even in like gaming culture, when we look at that, because we, we get into conversations and people are like, it's just like the U.S., everything's the same. And when we say it's not, like there are no, you know, people are just used to thinking of it that way. And it doesn't help us in the sense that we have no impetus to improve. We have no reason to improve. Absolutely. Um, and the so a good analogy that I find for this is um, Canada is a um, nice, diplomatic, peaceful, polite society, multicultural society, in the same way that the U.S. is a land of opportunity where anyone can uh, make uh, can be successful if they work hard and are uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah, 100%. Well, I guess it's part of the definition of polite. People always think of the good part of polite. They always forget about the other parts the of respectability. the respectability. Not the, the parts that you're ignoring on purpose so yeah. that politeness can happen. Yeah, I always it's say... Like, our, our, a lot, but yeah, I always say... Exactly. I say our politeness is like, or, or racism is like a passive aggressive racism and not an in your face racism because so you much of Canada. More indigenous people than most of us, anyways, than outright attack them. Uh, or, or I, I would argue, both. I would argue that we uh, outright attack indigenous people and ignore people of color. 
or it's a microaggressions. I think it's all true. Yeah, I mean, it depends where you're from, too, and it depends what kind of person you are. Like liberals, um, liberals, I guess what you would say in, in America, but like uh, what we would call large uh, liberals, NDP supporters, socialists, um, stick to sort of the microaggressions, the, the discussions about what kind of people and what people eat and how they smell or something like that, you know, or, or um, even CBC did a story that I was astounded on about how thing, this, the CERB, which was um, Americans heard that uh, Canadians got $2,000 uh, during the pandemic. Um, that has changed, but uh, it, it had limitations on it to a certain extent, but you could, I mean, they were very, the application was very easy. So you could, you could lie about it. Uh, they're saying you're going to have to pay it back. If you did, we'll see. Um, but they did, CBC, which is supposed to be left-leaning and is the state broadcaster, did a story um, that I read recently on the CERB in the North. And it led with um, some people talking about how if they had gotten it when they were an alcoholic, they would have drank it away. And talking about these rumors of parties, but like uh, CERB parties, how people were spending all of it on booze and weed um in inuit communities but there was no real like evidence of this other than pictures they'd taken of dumpsters and whatever but then like right in the middle of the story they talked to a woman who was able to buy her son a computer so he could distance learn was able to take some training and is moving to a larger community because of it where she can get a better job and i'm like cbc didn't lead with that they led with the inuits drink and do drugs again because that's the narrative that we hear all the time. Those natives are drunk all the time. Like, again, like, this is, this is sort of what I think we see a lot is, is the continued narratives, even in, uh, even in, even in. Well, I, I think one of the big elements that you can take from that is CBC is very Canadian. It's very Canadian. It's slightly left-leaning. It's got weird conservative roots that it kind of ignores. It tries to say that it does this, and it brings, you know, more Indigenous people to panels and stuff as of recently. Now, Indigenous all stuff, but then it does this bullshit at the same time, like simultaneously, left-hand, right-hand kind of elements. And that would be what you'd say about everything else. I mean, it's just Canadian. And on that end... uh uh, the other key thing is uh, les deux solitudes, uh, which mm. is the formal term for the stark cultural divide between English Canada and Quebec. Um, so uh, there's this thing called CanCon, Canadian Content Requirements, which is effectively a lot of subsidies trying to give us a domestic cultural industry to fight back the quite frankly, cultural imperialism that is Hollywood. Um, which we bought into. Back which in we bought into. Um, but um, the English CanCon is a mark of derision. It's an insult for our local media industries because of a bunch of things. Um, now, in Quebec, it's totally different. Because Quebec is has a population of 8 million people and most of them only speak French. This means that they have their own celebrities, their own uh in like internal media uh empires and all like the Quebecers know Quebec culture, Quebec musicians, Quebec uh actors and actresses um because they don't have to compete with the US. Like they don't because of the linguistic barrier um, Quebec maintains its own much stronger uh, Quebec culture than can English Canada can uh, for Canadian English culture. 100%, yeah. Um, like but it also means that uh, I can talk to my girlfriend and she has no idea who Rick Mercer is. Um, That's a Canadian. And then she'll talk to me about uh, Les Sauboulets and I'm like, who? Because we just don't see into each other's universes nearly as much, which is 
part of the cause for all of the drama and issues going on there. And, and it, what's interesting is I don't even think the formats cross over well because um, I was involved really briefly at CBC with discussion of uh, making a, a Tout Le Monde en Parle, uh, for, which is a huge, huge talk show in Quebec. Um, it's like, um, it, it's like uh, the style is like politically incorrect, I guess, uh, would be the closest one to it, um, in terms of a roundtable discussion. I don't know, um, if there's something that's closer to it that you could. Um, so it is probably like, um, the late night show in terms of prominence in Quebec culture. Like, yeah, it's like the prime the minister no has shown up and spoken on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or it could be like if you've seen Graham Norton. Um, I think maybe the Graham Norton show, in terms of of the t- level of celebrities that show up on it, and and how the discussion goes. Except, um, I guess the host would be Graham Norton level too, it, just in Quebec. it just kind of died on the table. Um, and I think part of the reason is that that format um, is just, I see it in Europe a lot and I see it in um, Quebec, but I don't see it as much in an English Canada because they usually have a large amount of guests, like more so than a politically incorrect or even a late show would have. They have like five people or six people sometimes on the show, you know, not just like, two people in the host or three people in the host they have a lot more sometimes and and the discussion is very freewheeling and and it seems very um french in some ways uh in its sensibilities and it it didn't just didn't go forward and at cbc for whatever reason and i i feel like part of the reason is is its quebecois and frenchness yep uh and for clarity uh this uh CBC is in English. Radio Canada is French. Yeah. They're yeah. twins. No, they don't, they don't even call it. They're, they're very different. Like, even working with uh, Radio Canada folks is, is very different. Um, um, you are I think that leads in. right into games, you know, those tabletop RPG things that we uh, are here to talk about a little bit. That is exactly what your disembodied moderator was about to say, was you're at 12 minutes out, um, and we'd love to hear how these factors have informed your game design. Uh, Yes, Uh, so one of the things I also want to quickly say is we didn't mention other non-Quebec francophone communities. That was kind of also on purpose, because... There's also a fight between ethnic communities that are not Quebecers uh, within, the, within La Francophonie. Uh, there's a lot of Franco-Ontarians. Uh, there's a lot of Manitobans uh, who are Francophones. Um, there's some in Alberta, uh, some in Saskatchewan, and, I mean, all of Acadia, functionally. Um, so, Franco-Ontarians are not... Quebecers, they're French Canadians. So that's an yeah. So how does this affect our games? Um, There's uh, no CanCon. There's no CanCon for games. That's the first thing. Yeah, which is actually really nice weird. Yeah. It is kind of weird that there's no CanCon for for games. It's because it's not really an industry, so it isn't regulated as a media industry. It's a community, which means it's just kind of self-driven. We don't have any major media corporations in Canada that make tabletop role-playing games or even tabletop games at all. Oh, we so did. Guardians of Order. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna cut in and mention that Sen is back, but he is a disembodied voice with me, so we're being haunted by Sen in addition to me. Okay, cool. It's interesting though that there's no con can con for video games as there are. Um, so many video game companies in Canada. Yeah, we have the second oh. biggest EA studio. I said. Uh, BioWare's in Edmonton. Yeah. Bizarre. 
Yeah, lots of them. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, how does this affect our games? Uh, so there's a lot of issues of uh, some common themes that I've seen are self-deprecating humor as a large sort of cultural element. Um, we've got multiculturalism as a core theme. There's a lot of like multiple cultural groups represented in our games, in my experience. Uh, there's a lot of non-violent or less military con um, conflict mechanics in play. Uh, so you'll get a lot more like social combat than uh, we're going to shoot you with our many guns that we happen to have at home uh, mechanics. Um, and like language is a thing. Uh, indige indigenous uh, factors are also a thing. Um since we lost Sen for part of the panel, I'd love to hear how it affects the board and card game side of yep. design. Sure. Um, so I, I think in terms of how it affects the board and card game design uh, end of things, is it's probably less. Um, but what does happen an awful lot is um, because board and card games tend to be mechanisms that get themes attached to them. And which is very different than RPGs, which are typically somebody thinks about a theme and says, okay, how do I make that into a game? Um, and it does happen in board and card, of course. But what really happens a lot is that Canada is seen as this weird exotic place, uh, especially by Europeans for some reason. And so they tend to theme some games with like really weird themes that have nothing to do with with the world uh, that we live in. Like so, that there's a game called Manitoba. And Manitoba is it really it has like West Coast totem poles in it because that's what they think all people in Canada have around them is totem poles uh, because there's so many indigenous people here. Uh, and so there's just stuff like that, like uh, the one about the Okanagan Valley is not really has nothing to do with the Okanagan Valley. It's just this literal skin that some company put over it so that it has, you know, some thematic resonance with with some place that hasn't been exploited by somebody else. It, it's basically colonialism by game. Um, and it's it's real weird. It's really strange sometimes to see that kind of stuff when it's done to your own, your own country. And then you recognize that, oh, wait a minute, we've been doing that too uh, to other places. So obviously being Chinese Canadian, you see it done all the time to, you know, the mystic East <laughs> or whatever, right? Um, but then you see it done to Canada, and you say, "Look, aren't people a little bit beyond this by now?" And they're they're, they're literally not. Uh, and the pushback that happens when you say, "Hey, I'm from Canada, and that's not what happens in Manitoba," um, is incredible. Like people in the publishing industry, it's like, "Well, I, I don't care that you did this game. Really, I don't. I care that what you do on your next game is better." That's what I'm really looking for. I don't want you to change this. I'm not saying go and change this now because you've already paid for the art. You're done. That's that's fine. It exists. Whatever. But at least acknowledge that you've made some mistakes with your perception of what Canada is. And I can tell you that all four of us on this panel have mis like misconceptions of what Canada is because of our own internal biases. And that just gets extended out and out and out until what Nicole was talking about when you know she says, when I travel, everybody thinks Canadians are X. And as a monolithic culture, maybe we are X, but we're individuals inside that culture. And so, you know, it, it's this type of thing where, and I mean, as a psychology professor, these are just heuristics that we use to identify different areas of the world and people of the world and things like that. And they're, they're shortcuts, they're literal, mnemonic shortcuts that we use to say, oh, if it has a totem pole and it's named Manitoba, it must be about Canada. There you go, it's Canada. Something about Canada. Um, and it's it's wrong and we, we it's lazy design uh, in my uh, in my perspective. So I think, you know, we've got these wonderful supercomputers in our pockets that we can use to research these things. And I think people are just lazy about it. And you wouldn't think it would happen to a nation that is as large as Canada, but the problem is is that we're actually very, I think, under under underappreciated uh, as a culture. 
Um, the diversity of our culture is quite underappreciated, maybe even by the people living in the country itself. I was going to say, even by ourselves. And one of the things that I love about Jiangxi, uh, which Sen and, and Banana Chan created, is that it takes a part of culture that is so Canadian that people don't know about, uh, which is just Chinese restaurants across Canada that are created by immigrants uh, or, or second generation Canadians or, you know, whatever that are, that are Canadians running Chinese restaurants in like middle of nowhere, small towns. There are Chinese restaurants pretty much anywhere you go, like the smallest town in Saskatchewan, Northern Ontario, Manitoba, wherever there will be a Chinese restaurant. It may not be authentic Chinese food that you know of, but there is Canadian Chinese food. And and the role-playing game is, is basically built around families that run these places. And it's a huge part of Canadian culture. And a lot of people don't think of that as Canadian culture. But, like, a lot of us have grown up eating, you know, chicken balls and red sauce and stuff like that, you know, right? Like, so that, I, didn't. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I did because, you know, I'm white, right? So oh, but it's okay. Um, and on a related note, uh, the element of cultural alienation effectively white english canadians have a strong feeling of we don't have a culture hmm. we're just being swamped by the u.s and there's an inferiority complex in play there which is uh exciting oh, um 100%. so uh, uh, I, I believe we're running out of thing. time so yeah I go ahead five and minute then you'll... warning yeah, the one last thing I'd like to say is that I think all of this works down into how the individual uh, communities of Canadian game design tend to be. They all tend to be connected to a cross-border American one uh, of some sort, either as a sister group, if with, you know, New Jersey and Ottawa, or as a, just we're just part of the same group with Seattle and Vancouver, or perhaps a one that kind of just drops in once in a while, like the few designers I know from places like Calgary and other places afar. And I think that's pretty Canadian. I think if you'd look, you'd find that in our game design. We'd love to tell you about how, but we would have needed twice the panel for that. Sorry. Yeah, very sorry. In All right, so uh, if I could get each of you to spend about 45 seconds telling people where to find you online and where to give you money for the products you produce. Uh, I'll start because I'm loud. Uh, my name is Jason Pitt, Genesis of Legend Publishing, at Genesis of Legend on Twitter. Uh, and you can download uh, one of my most Canadian games for free. Uh, because I don't like capitalism, I'm Canadian. Uh, it's called um, Lonely Timbers, and it is a game about historical lumberjacks in Quebec. Uh, Nicole? Uh, I'm Nicole Winchester. You can find me at NicoleWinchester.com uh, and at, at Noise Angel pretty much everywhere else, especially Twitter. Um, I am also at fairescapestudios.com, uh, where I usually do a lot of LARP stuff. That's not really happening much right now. Um, my most recent work is uh, with the Expanse line for Green Ronin. Um, and uh, the Modern Age Handbook is coming out soon, I believe. I also have my most recent game on itch is about uh, American gun culture, actually, which is kind of weird. Um, it's called I Love You, Mom. Uh, so uh, you can check that out. It's not fun time. So I'll just say that right up front. It's not a fun time. Uh, Sen. Hey, uh, I'm Sen Fung Lim. You can see me at Sen Fung Lim on Twitter. And my most recent game is probably uh, for RPGs. is Jiangshi, Blood in the Banquet Hall, which is available as a late backer. Currently, just search it. It's like probably the only thing that exists about Jiangshi in RPG land. Um, and then uh, my most recent board game oh, was probably, it's probably uh, Mind Management, which is based on the New York Times bestselling graphic novel Mind Management. It is a hidden role, not hidden role, but a hidden movement game uh, for two to five players. And you can find that as a late backer as well 
online men management, the movement game, I think. Or no, the psychic espionage game. There you go. Christoph? All right. Last and, and definitely least. Uh, my name is Christoph. Uh, you can find me at Zofra on Twitter and most things. And you can find my game at uh, freespacer.com. It's called Freespacer. And it's about a multicultural space stuff. It's, yeah. Anyways, thanks. So thank you all for joining us, and we are happy to talk in the Panel Watch channel after this. Uh, if you have any questions about Canadians, and we'll, we will apologize and tell you what we think in a very polite but passive-aggressive way. We're, we're sorry for talking so long about other stuff. Apologies, because we have yeah. to end with apologizing. <laughs>